Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Five outs, nothing personal. Word of the day for Wednesday, October 20th, 2021. It's five outs. In baseball, you get 27 outs, but everybody panics when you're down big early. You're down by two runs with five outs to go, about to be eliminated. The year is 2003. The game is game six of the National League Championship Series. The Cubs are up 2 nothing getting ready to clinch the series to go to their first World Series since the Billy Goat was born. Five outs. That's what was left. A Steve Bartman here, an Alex Gonzalez Gonzalez error there. A bases clearing double by Mike Mordecai here. Marlins come back. Eight run eighth, win the game, win the series. Five outs. Last night, there were five outs remaining. The Los Angeles Dodgers about to go into a 3-0 hole against the Atlanta Braves. The 88-win Braves about to win three in a row over the behemoth 106-win Los Angeles Dodgers. People are fleeing Dodger Stadium like there are locusts descending upon it. They're trying to get on the 10 on the 405. It was an afternoon game, side note. So they're going to sit in traffic because they're done. They're booing. They're upset. Five outs left. Quick math. 27 outs in a game. When you have five outs remaining, that's just under 20% of the game. That's like with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, down seven in the NBA. You going to leave? Come on, man. Dodgers fans leaving. Dave Roberts telling his team, we don't want to be down 3-0. I was down 3-0 in 2004 to the New York Yankees. We came back to win. We're the only team who's ever done it. And believe me, this team has no Dave Roberts on it. To say nothing of no Pedro, but we can get back to that. Runner on, runner on. Luke Jackson in the game. The Braves, middle reliever, blowing 97. Strike one, strike two, swings through it. Bellinger hitting 165, the erstwhile MVP. Game's over. People aren't even listening on the radio. The tide is high and I'm holding on. I want, what? He did not. That's an eye-high fastball. Did he just hit an eye-high fat? Home run. It's a home run. Cody Bellinger hit a three-run home run to tie the game in the bottom of the eighth inning as the Dodgers were about to be down 3 nothing. That's it. Turn your car around. Get back in the ballpark. We got extra innings. Nah, Chris Taylor singled. 
Then Chris Taylor looked at Dave Roberts and said, what should I do? Steal. Mookie Betts, what should I do? You made $300 million. Here's what to do. Get a base hit. Let's take the lead. Gets a base hit. Dodgers take the lead. In comes Kenley Jansen. Strike one, strike two, strike three, strike five, strike seven, strike nine. Three up, three down, three strikeouts. Game over. Absolute despondency for the Braves. Instead of being up 3-0, they're only up 2-1. Three one-run games so far in the National League Championship Series. There is no greater difference in sports than 3-0 and 2-1. Now, you could argue that 3-1 and 2-2 is different. We'll talk about that game next. That is different, but not like 3-0 and 2-1. So now what? Is it over? Did the Braves make a mistake by not bringing in their closer in the eighth inning? Let him go four or five outs. Will Smith, not the Dodgers, Will Smith, the catcher. The Braves, Will Smith, the pitcher. Everybody's second guessing. I'm the president of the Braves and I'm saying, where's Will Smith? I'm just kidding. I know he's not coming in because we've been told before the game starts by the GM saying, hey, Will Smith, he's not going four or five outs. Not when we're up to nothing. One out, one inning today, and that's it because we got a game tomorrow. So Will Smith, the closer, doesn't come in the game. Everyone gets angry with Brian Snitker. There's nothing to be angry about. And now the series is over. The National League Championship Series is over. The Dodgers have won the series. They are defending their World Series title. They've moved on. But wait a minute. Don't they have to win four games? Nah, it's over. Momentum. The Braves are finished. Finally, what's happening is what's supposed to have happened the whole time. You picked it, Samson. You said the Dodgers were going to win the series, and now they've won it. Hold on, everyone. Do you know one of the great qualities that Major League Baseball players have? And Brian Snicker said it in the press conference at the end of the game. Media people and fans all think there's this momentum carryover. That inside the clubhouse, they're despondent beyond repair. Do you know what the Braves did right after they lost the game, having been up 5-2 in the eighth inning and lost 6-5? to five? Want to know what they did? They showered. They ate. They got on the team bus. They got back to the team hotel. They went out, had dinner. They didn't think one minute about the game. And then they're going to wake up today at about noon. It's a night game tonight for the Dodgers. Well, night games, five o'clock game, not a night game, a five o'clock local time, eight o'clock Eastern time. They're going to get to the park and they're going to say, Let's play. Major League Baseball players have memories that are the antithesis of elephants. They don't remember at bat to at bat, forget game to game. When you are playing a game of failure the way baseball players play, if you carry games from one day to the next, losses, blown saves, missed opportunities, here's what you will be doing soon. Another job. You can't be a professional baseball player and take that loss into the field, take that loss home, take it into your family, get grumpy and angry and throw things around. Now you have three drinks, you wake up, you go to the training room and you get ready to play. I'm a little uh, sad for fans who believe that the series is over in Atlanta. I'm a little sad for fans in Los Angeles who feel the series is over. Because the National League Championship Series is full Karen Carpenter. We've only just begun. We still have a game. 
It's two to one. A road team hasn't even won a game yet. As opposed to the American League Championship Series, which was definitely over. The Red Sox, for sure. The Astros have no pitching. We said that there's a good chance the Red Sox don't even have to go back to Texas. Houston's going to lose this series in five. The Red Sox are mashing. The Astros can't pitch. The Astros are going with Zach Greinke. But the Astros had something yesterday that was fascinating. His name is Laz. Laz Diaz is a Major League umpire. Major League umpires have a tough job. The game goes fast. They get criticized. All these analytic tools are so unbelievable where we can put a K zone out there. We can tell you that he missed 23 strike calls yesterday. We can tell you what his exact percentage is of balls versus strikes, whether he had a good game, a bad game versus the average. Again, actual umpires don't look at it that way. They call the game the best they can as they see it. They go for consistency as best they can. Laz Diaz was totally consistent yesterday. He missed 24 calls, 13 for one team, 11 for the other. That's just being bad. But players actually don't mind that. Players want consistency. When they come off the bench into the batter's box and then back into the clubhouse, they'll lament a missed call. But yet they'll say, hey, that was a ball all day. That's the expression they'll say. But that's a strike all day today. And the hitting coaches are saying to the players as they're getting ready for their at-bats, here's the zone today. It's the most bizarre thing. Can you imagine in basketball? Hey, here's where the three-point line is today. Just be, be ready for it. I know you're used to a 10-foot basket. Strangely enough, today it's 10 feet, three inches. Who would get used to that? You wouldn't get used to it. That's a total change of the game. It would be like in baseball saying, hey, instead of 60 feet, six inches today from mound, from rubber to plate, home plate, we're going to go 60 feet, nine inches. But when it comes to strike zone, players don't think that way. They don't view a different strike zone on a game to game basis as a change in the rule of the game. They view it as part of the game that they've played and they know how to adjust. Does it make it better for Red Sox fans? that Nathan Avaldi struck out Jason Taylor, the backup catcher for the Houston Astros. Struck him out. Strike one, strike two, strike three. Not realizing that there was one change in yesterday's American League Championship Series. And if you listened carefully in the seventh inning, you would have heard it. Because here's how it went. Because it's one, two, three, Four strikes, you're out in the old ball game. Four strikes. So Astros are losing two to one Altuve in the eighth inning. Eighth inning again. Yeah, you got to get through nine innings. There's no difference between the eighth inning and the fourth inning. Frankly, there's no difference between the ninth inning and the second inning, except there's a little more sphincter tightness in the ninth inning when you are a pitcher. Not every pitcher can be a closer because they don't have the mentality to get the last three. Outs, that is. The Astros were in trouble from the beginning. Zach Greinke. Coca, do you know how much money Zach Greinke makes this year? Just guess. Give me a guess right in my right ear. Don't look. Don't cheat. What is his salary in 2021? Anyone? 
He guessed 35. You are a Price is Right loser. You can't go over in Price is Right. 32 is the number. Zach Greinke is now an opener. A $32 million opener. If I am Jim Crane, I am DBR. It was all exciting when they traded for and signed Zach Greinke, remember? It's all exciting to have all these great, expensive starting pitchers. Verlander has Tommy John making 30-plus. Zach Greinke has ineffective Betty making 30-plus. Over $60 million in payroll. That's higher than a... I believe that is higher than our entire team payroll when we won the World Series. We may have been at 63 and 03, but I bet you Verlander and Granke are above our entire payroll. Wow, what a thought. Wow. Anyway, I'm back. Wipe that. You don't have to wipe that. That's, that's like a dramatic pause as I'm thinking about something so outrageous. So Zach Granke starts the game. He goes an inning and a third. An inning and a third. Do you know that there have been four games in the American League Championship Series and the starting pitchers have gone a total of six and two-thirds innings? A regular start for a halfway decent pitcher who's making like 10 mil can give you, should give you, must give you six and two-thirds in one game. Four games, six and two-thirds? I'm the president of the Astros. I'm asking my general manager, what the hell are we doing here? How is this even possible? The Astros starting rotation ERA went down after Zach Greinke's phenomenal performance yesterday. They started at a 20.25 ERA. It's now down to 18 and change. How great is that? Good job, Zach. Here's your $32 million. By the way, 16 paychecks during the course of a season. Hold on. Let me do that quick math. 16 paychecks, 32 million. Holy schnickers. Two million a paycheck. Zach Greinke has pitched a total of what? Four innings in the whole month of September? Two paychecks, four million, a million dollars an inning. If you're a real starting pitcher, you get 190 innings and you want to make a million dollars an inning, that would give you a salary of 190 innings. The math I could do all day. And you know what it all adds up to? It adds up to another bullpen game for the Astros. And what happened yesterday? Because it's baseball. Donuts, egg creams. I don't like egg creams. Let's do a different one, Coke. It'll be funnier. Ready? 14, 29, 69. You know what the Astros did after Greinke left? That bullpen came in. Donuts, chocolate frosted with sprinkled donuts. And they were hot. But they're still losing two to one. Meanwhile, Nick Pavetta, goes five innings, gets celebrated like he's Cy Young. Charlie Morton went five innings for the Braves yesterday, got celebrated too. Five and dive is what we used to call it. Guys who went five innings and then left the game. They were called five and dive guys. We were making fun of those guys. You're going to give us five innings? That's unacceptable. We're going to have a starting pitcher who's a five and dive guy. Believe me, there are a lot of five and dive guys, even back in the day. Five and dive guys in the league championship series. Uh-uh. Pavetta goes five and dive and gets hugged like he won the damn Oscar. Altuve hits the game time home run. Laz Diaz misses the call. And before you know it, bing, bang, boom, it's nine two Astros. If you're waking up and looking at the box score, you're saying, what? That was a blowout game. No. 
Do you know the last team to score seven runs in the ninth inning? The Florida Marlins in 1997 game three of the World Series. That was the last postseason game that had a seven run ninth. And it was not my Marlins. That was Wayne Huizinga's Marlins who went on to win the World Series. Well, they were in the World Series when they did it. They just won that series in seven games over the Cleveland Dermish Indians. So now we've got Astros Red Sox playing the best two out of three. And the Astros have home field. One game in Fenway, then two games in Minute Maid for a right to go to the World Series in a series that under no circumstances should the Astros have a chance to win because they have no pitching. Can the bullpen do another round of donuts? Can they do their best Krispy Kreme imitation and keep them hot for the next two to three games? Doesn't seem likely, but it is something, right? Good pitching beats good hitting. The Red Sox managed two runs after clubbing grand slam after grand slam, where everyone was just assuming that would happen. All the analysts said the Red Sox will get it done. I said it too. I should know better. We have two very, very good series going on in baseball. We have another two games today. And while all of that was going on, I'm sitting here in CBS Sports HQ. I'm sitting with the anchors and one of their gambling guys named Tim Doyle because it's the NBA opening night. I was excited. I was excited that the NBA was naming its top 75 players of all time. I'm just waiting for them to open the Patrick Ewing envelope. He's got to make it. He was in the top 50. There's no way that he got thrown out of the top 50. I was doing math. In order to get thrown out of the top 50 that you already named in 1996, you have to have, since 96, in the last 27 years, 26 players who are worthy of being in the top 20, top 75. Are you with me on the math? And then Ewing has to be number 50 out of 50. It's like my top 100 rankings in movies. When I see a movie that belongs in the top 100, I know by definition, my number 100 movie is off the list. It's gone. But they don't rank it one to 50. They just name 50. But Patrick Ewing's not the 50th best player. He's way higher than that. But 25 names are named. A bunch of current guys were in that top 75 where they're doing 25 a day for three days. Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki, James Harden. So the NBA starts yesterday, and there's only one story that fascinates me. Not the Lakers and Carmelo and Russell Westbrook and not the Nets with Kyrie. We've talked about that. I cannot get enough of the Ben Simmons story in Philadelphia. I just can't. Word comes out yesterday that makes Adam Silver, the commissioner of basketball, see stars. He's so angry. He's seething. The blood rushed to his head. It turned all red with the bald head turning red. Looked like the Hulk in red. Because Ben Simmons got suspended by the Philadelphia 76ers yesterday on opening day. Not for the Sixers. It was a practice day. So two days ago, we have video of Ben Simmons doing a walkthrough, looking totally, totally disinterested in what was going on. Potentially having his phone in his pocket. Was it a practice jersey? Was it a phone? Who cares? The fact of the matter is Ben Simmons decided to grant us with his presence after holding out. Coach Doc Rivers, an accomplished, successful coach, is running defensive drills. Ask Ben Simmons to go into the drill, be a part of the drill. And Simmons says, I'm good. I don't want to do that drill. Doc Rivers says, hey, Ben, um, are you getting in the drill? 
Nah, I'm good. Doc said, hey, Ben, you don't want to do this drill. You don't need to be at this practice. Ben said, great. And he left. I can only picture Daryl Morey, the president of basketball operations, Doc Rivers, watching this happen, seething, turning more green and more red than Adam Silver was going to turn. And they said, what are we going to do? We can't trade the guy because now we're being offered scraps, pennies on the dollar. This guy's a malcontent. We owe him $147 million. He can't be a part of this team anymore. There is a possibility that Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers said, are we going to make Samson right in his way to see that Ben Simmons won't play another game for the Sixers? We can't make that way to see right. We can't do it. We can't trade him for nothing, but we can't have him here. It reminded me of the song, Closing Time by Semisonic. But you can't stay here. Like at bar time, people have to leave. You can do whatever you want, but you can't stay here. That's what they told Ben. So they suspended him. Then they fined him $1.4 million. Ooh, sounds like a lot, doesn't it? The collective bargain agreement in the NBA lays out exactly what you can find for mispractices for conduct detrimental to the best interest of the team. Once regular season games start, if he's willing to play, does he have to be reinstated? Is there a chance that what Ben Simmons did is enough to keep him suspended? It's not like a Kyrie Irving situation where he's not allowed to play home games because of vaccine. This is a situation where Ben Simmons is doing the North going and the South going Zacks. I bring your attention to the Dr. Seuss book where there are two Zaxes, one going North, one going South, and they are walking in the same path and they face each other and they won't move. They won't move a step to the right. They won't move a step to the left. They are standing there facing each other saying, are you going to move? No. Are you going to move? No. Are you going to move? No. And you know what happens around them? They build a city and a freeway and the North going and the South going Zaxx as written by Dr. Seuss, the stubborn mules that they are. They're not mules. They're Zaxxes. They get nothing. They give nothing. And then they're completely Glenn closed. I will not be ignored. Well, the Zax has got ignored. Guess what's going to happen to Ben Simmons? He will be ignored. So Joel Embiid, who is the captain and the best player on that team, I don't think he's a top 75 guy. Wait to see. He gave some quotes yesterday that if I'm paying attention, I'm Daryl Morey. I realize that I have a significant problem with that Samson wait to see. Because he said at this point, I don't care about that man, honestly. He does whatever he wants. He then went on to say that he doesn't want to babysit him. I'm trying to win. And to win, you have to have that relationship with your teammates. And I do have that relationship. But not with all of my teammates. Embiid said, but at the end of the day, our job is not to babysit somebody. We get paid to produce on the court, go out, play hard, win some games. That's what we get paid for. We don't get paid $5 an hour to come out here and try to babysit somebody. I added the $5 an hour. Is that the going rate for babysitters these days? Or is it like $20 an hour? We don't get paid to come out here and try to babysit somebody. So that's not our job. And I'm sure my teammates feel that way. Rut row. It's over. Bring out the marching band. Ben Simmons played the hand too strongly. 
when you're asked to do something and you're trying to work your way back into a clubhouse, you clean jock straps. You get there first, you leave last. You bring water to your teammates. You have a private meeting with each of your teammates. Except these are the same teammates who Ben Simmons feels slighted him. He feels that after the postseason last year that they blamed the loss on Simmons. But Philadelphia basically opened the door for him to come back. They gave him that opening to recapture his spot on the team. And Ben Simmons put his phone in his pocket and walked out the double doors. Now, how do you get him back in if you're the Sixers? The first one you have to go to is not Ben Simmons. The first one is Joel Embiid. Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers have to meet with him and they have to say, listen, what do you think our best move is? Are we a better team with him right now? Can you play with him? Can you find a way to get past this? Joel Embiid then will call his agent and say to himself, what do you think? What do you hear out there about the Ben Simmons trades? What do you think the Sixers, what do you think our team can get back? What do you think of our rotation? What do you think of the Nets without Kyrie? Are the Bucs going to defend? Do we have a chance to get to the finals with the current makeup of the team? My answer is he didn't get there with Ben. And Ben's no better. Didn't sit here and go full Jordan and work on his shot. Even Giannis worked on his shot. The best players continue to improve their game each year, even when they are superstars, top 75ers. Of course, Giannis is a top 75er. You do not, if you're Ben Simmons, sit there and say, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. There is nothing good about that situation. And I feel, believe me, I feel for the Sixers and their fans. It's an outrage. Meanwhile, I'm calling my lawyers. I don't want to pay Simmons his contract. I want to find out what we can do to terminate it for cause for not being ready to play, physically unable to play, mentally unable to play, not in first-class shape. All those are provisions that exist in these contracts, and I'm looking for any provision I can, and I'm threatening Ben. That's my today letter, not a call, a letter. I want it in the file. Dear Ben, dear Ben Hansen, today I'm going to be my best me and tell you I don't want you. When we come back, we're going to talk about Scott Boris. <laughs> yes, we are. Boris had some quotes. Wait till you hear my view of Scott Boras's quotes. We'll be right back. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. You found us. Well, we're everywhere you can download on every platform for podcasts. 
Thank you to CBS for that. Find us, rate us, review us. Go on Apple, please. We get a bunch of questions for mailbag episodes. Go on Apple and write a review and give a five star because apparently people keep track of the analytics of the number of ratings. And we're trying to get, I think they said we want 500,000 ratings and we're only like at 2,500. So we have a long way to go. And then we're supposed to be a top 50 podcast. And right now we're a top six or a top 100 or I can't keep track, but just follow us. Tell your friends and we're going to keep going. I'm watching movies. We're reviewing shows. The finale of Only Murders in the Building was yesterday. I have been watching Only Murders in the Building for 10 straight weeks every Tuesday. Steve Martin, Martin Short, and to capture another demographic other than the David Sampson 53-year-old white guy demographic, you've got Selena Gomez, who I happen to love. I can't name one of her songs. Is she a singer, Coca? What's a famous Selena Gomez song? Is it, what have you done for me lately? Do, 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 do. Can't tell if that's one of them. Anyway, this is a purely New York COVID-based comedy with two brilliant comedians, Martin Short and Steve Martin. And the three of them, Selena Gomez, they are podcasters. The name of the podcast is Only Murders in the Building because in their New York City building, there was a murder and they want to follow the trend and be a top rated true crime podcast. Nathan Lane makes an appearance in this series. Jane Lynch makes an appearance. Amy Ryan makes an appearance. It is a brilliant cast. It is a show, only 30 minute episodes. It will keep your interest even if you don't know who Steve Martin is. And if you don't know who Steve Martin is, it makes me wanna cry. Cheaper by the dozen. I'm kidding. I did a whole thing on Levitard about Steve Martin. He's that good. Watch Only Murders in the Building. It's five hours. It's like a, two movies. And the way it ended, I happen to suspect there will be a second season. It's on Hulu. All right, nothing personal pick of the day. We gave you four games yesterday to bet, and we went two and two. So we're now 136 and 119. We had the Dodgers beating the Braves because we knew Bellinger would hit that home run and they'd come back. We had the Bucks beating the Nets because without Kyrie, Durant and Harden are fine, but the Bucks are just a better, deeper team. Did you look at the Bucks rings, by the way? I'm just curious. Did you see them? When we got our ring in 03, and I'll bring it out for the World Series, but we're not in the World Series yet. We had a group called Intergold design the ring. There were bids from Tiffany and Justin's and Intergold, and now they're all sort of combined. But we wanted a ring that was gouty and large and that would, when you put it on the finger of a five foot five guy, it would cover both knuckles, that type of ring. Biggest of all time in baseball. Every ring is in the Hall of Fame. Every World Series ring in ours is still the biggest. Love it. Players loved it. The Bucks ring looks like the Marlins ring all the diamonds and they've got the fear of the deer. They've got the series. They won 4-0, 4-2, 4-3, 4-2, whatever their series scores were. We did that on our ring. I love it. I love ring day. It's such an interesting thing. You go, you get your ring. And that is the final celebration of the previous year. The parade's long gone. Your roster's been redone. You're starting a new season. But when you go to midcourt and you get the ring from the commissioner, you know that you have gone to the pinnacle and they can never take it away. You are an NBA champion. I still get shivers when I see ring celebrations, thinking about how great it was. 
Do you know a little funny story, folks? Do you know the commissioner did not give us our rings in 2004? Bud Selig was so angry that we won a ring and that he never did that he sent Bob Dupay, the president of baseball, to do our ring ceremony. When he gave us the World Series trophy after winning game six in Yankee Stadium, furious, and I love Bud. I've known Bud since I was a kid. There wasn't one ounce of anything other than jealousy that we won a ring because he had owned a team from 69 to 2000. And what was his last year owning the Brewers? He had to give it up when he moved from interim commissioner to regular commissioner. He was an owner and interim commissioner for a while. He made it to the World Series once in 82, didn't get a ring. His closer was hurt, Raleigh Fingers. But either way, who cares? He didn't get a ring. So when he had to give us the trophy, because commissioners have to do that, he was just angry. He wanted off that stage so fast that when we invited him to do our ring ceremony, which we didn't think we'd have to invite him to do because that's what commissioners do. Knock on the door. Hey, it's Dupay. I'm like, where's Bud? Nah, I'm doing it. By the way, I love Bob Dupay, so I couldn't have been more proud to have him give us our rings, but it did make me smile. But Adam Silver's giving out the rings. Giannis gets his ring. And you know what you do right after you get your ring? You go for the next ring. I sent that tweet. There's only one thing better than, than your first ring. You know what the answer is to that? At David P. Sampson. Look at that tweet. There's only one thing better than your first ring. Your second ring. All of you people had your mind in the gutter. Come on. We had the Lakers beating the Warriors. Did that work out? Did we win that one? I don't think we did. Cannot believe. That may be the last time I choose the Lakers all year. I won't choose a team with Westbrook and Anthony. I just won't do it. And then we had the Red Sox beating the Astros. Who would have expected a seven-run ninth? So we went two and two. We got another doubleheader today in baseball. Five o'clock, eight o'clock. The games are switched. The Dodgers were the early game, and everyone was upset that Gavin Lux lost a ball in the sun in the fourth inning. Why are the Dodgers playing at two o'clock in the middle of the day? Because when national broadcasters do their deals for the league championship series, they're guaranteed a primetime game knowing that there are two days at least when there are going to be two games. So they switch it. Fox gets a primetime game yesterday. They get the afternoon game today. So the Red Sox played last night. They turn around and play this afternoon. The Dodgers played in the morning yesterday. They have the night game tonight. It's just how it goes. There's a bullpen game. That was pretty funny. They asked Snicker at the end, you got game five. Who are you going with? Bullpen. What order? I haven't been told yet. That was a moment of honesty. He actually said it. Hey, we're going to go discuss that now. What he really, translation, I haven't been told what the order is of the bullpen game. And the Dodgers have Urias going. Dodgers are going to tie this series. We're going to have two series tied at two. Dodgers over Braves. Now, what about this game five of the Red Sox Astros? It's a rematch of the game one starters. Chris Sale, who went a third of an inning against Framber Valdez, who went a third of an inning. I'm exaggerating only by a couple thirds. It's a rematch of what's supposed to be your number one starters, game one. Game one repeats in game five. We're in game five. It's another bullpen game. Because at the end of the day, Sale and Valdez, they're not going to give you five innings. There won't even be a five and dive. I think the Red Sox recover. I really do. Red Sox take a 3-2 lead and head back to Houston, trying to get one in Houston to go to the World Series. Red Sox, Dodgers. All right, Coca, play me some music. You know what I want? 
Talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. That's from a movie called Half-Baked for all people who are new to the show. Half-Baked is a movie that's best seen seven-eighths baked. If you have to go a quarter, don't go anywhere below an eighth. Dave Chappelle's in that movie. And there's a character named Samson. And everybody wants to talk to Samson. Why? Because he's got the goods. He is the Randy Lanier of movies. That is a funny joke, Coca. I'm watching a show right now called Bad Sport. It's documentaries on uh, on Netflix. I'm going to review it when I get through with all the episodes. But they're individual documentaries. One of them is about a race car driver who actually paid for his whole race team by being a dope dealer and bringing like hundreds of thousands of pounds of weed from Colombia. And it wasn't coffee. And his name, I believe, was Randy Lanier. Anyway, I don't remember what the joke was, but it was funny. So, so you want to talk to Samson is when you get into my Twitter, David P. Samson, ask a question and I'll try to get to it on the show or I'll try to answer it on my DMs, which are open. But thanks to your love of nothing personal, it is getting harder and harder to do it. But this one was too good to pass up. Hi, David. Hi. Do you finally agree with Scott Boris on roster expansion for the playoffs? For those of you who don't know, I don't agree when I ask what time it is to Scott Boras, and he says, oh, it's half past three, and I look and say, nope, it's 3.32. Look at that blue sky. Nope, I see some clouds. I can't find one thing that I agree with Scott Boras on. I find him to be insufferable. He's not interested in the game. He's interested in himself. He's not interested in the players. He's interested in money. Scott Boras had some quotes yesterday that fascinated me. It turns out that American League starters are averaging like three innings. National League starters are averaging four innings. It's just a disaster. Scott Boris was interviewed because everybody wants Scott Boris to give a quote because they know it's such buffoonery. A blind eye has put a black eye on the game. The commissioner's office needs to understand we are not back to normal. We are still dealing with the pandemic. The increased workload and its impact on pitching staffs is real. I agree with you, Scott. Stop the show. For all of you who think that I will not agree with him because he's Scott Boras, you've missed the entire point of nothing personal. It is not personal with Scott. He's just wrong 99 times out of 100 because he's self-serving, self-dealing, and absent scruples. But his point yesterday is spot on. Do you remember when this season started? I said, be careful. Pitchers can't go from 60 games to 162 games. By the end of the season, hitters won't be able to lift their bat. They're going to be so tired. Pitchers won't be able to wipe their ass. They're going to be so tired. It is dangerous to do, and it will result in bad baseball and more injuries. Did it happen, I ask you? Yes. More players went down with Tommy John this year than ever before. Anecdotal, but I think it's true. So true. Funny how it seems. You're now seen in the playoffs battle of bullpens every day. That's not what the playoffs should be. You should have high-paid, great starters who are giving you seven innings, complete games. 
unbelievable pitching performances in a three to one game where the tension is palpable. Instead, we're getting the march of the Penguins out of the bullpen every single day. And Boris has a solution. The solution was there should be roster expansion for the playoffs, knowing this year what was going to happen, which we all predicted and it's happening. Why not allow 16 or 17 pitchers? The answer is the game times would then be five hours instead of four hours. The reason why they can't change it now is you have to have agreement with the union and you cannot change roster size in the middle of a playoff in the middle of October. So they can't just say, okay, starting the World Series, we're going to make the roster 28. Does not work that way. The roster sizes are the same from the first round to the last round. Period. Hard stop. Why Boris would bring this up? Let's be a little skeptical about one side of this. Who makes the most money in baseball? Starters? Yeah. Starting pitching. Does he have a starting pitcher as a free agent coming up? I don't even have a list in front of me. I guarantee he does. And it starts with Max and ends with Scherzer. He's got other starters, always does. He wants his starters to get paid. But you've got owners who are going to their GMs and saying, why would I give Zach Greinke $30 million or Max Scherzer 30 million times five? When to get a ring at the end of the day, these starters are so tired. They're so ineffective. Why not put money and find as many 98 mile an hour throwing bullpen arms as possible and go with an opener every day? And my answer would be to my owner, that's not sustainable. We can't get to October that way. Excuse me, 10, 9, 60. We can't get through October. Hold on. <laughs> All right, I'm tired. Give me one second. I want to get my thought clear. Without starting pitching, you cannot get to October. You cannot do openers throughout a season. Your bullpen arms will fall off. You can't rely on bullpens the way teams are in the playoffs during the course of a regular season. That is not a sustainable model. No chance. Therefore, starters are still required. But as the season goes on, as you get into October, it turns out that starting pitching may be less important. So owners may be convinced not to spend money even in the offseason on starting pitching because they know at the end they want a ring. And the way to get the ring is to have the bullpen, not the starters. But then the GM says to the owner, I hear you. But to even have a chance at the ring, you better have a good rotation. Well, look at the Brewers. They had the best rotation in baseball. Where are they? Yeah, but they are in the playoffs four straight years with a chance. Look at the Yankees. Their starting rotation was crap, and they make the playoffs every year. Yeah, their payroll is 200 plus, and you can mash your way to October, but that's not a way to get through October. So Scott Boris brings up a great point that is going to be the subject in collective bargaining. Roster size is a critical, critical bone of contention between these two sides, the union and the owners. Do you know why? Because roster size equals service time. Every player wants one thing. They want service time so they can become arbitration eligible because that's when they get paid. 
and it gets them closer every day of service. You're closer to free agency. The union's goal is to get as many players possible to free agency, as many players as possible to arbitration, which is why in collective bargaining, they're going to try to lower the amount of service time required to be eligible for arbitration. They're going to try to lower the amount of time to be eligible for free agency. MLB is going to try to increase the amount of time because that is the sweet spot. Owners want players who are making the minimum, helping them win games and win rings. The union wants players only to be helpful when they're getting paid. But every time you add a roster spot, do you know what a huge deal it is? Just think about this. When they made the rosters from 25 to 26, that's an extra 30 players getting 180 days of service time. One player per team on that team the entire season. There's 185 days in a season because off days count too. It's not just 162 days. So 185 days of service. That's one extra year of service. That's 30 extra years of service by increasing the roster by one player. 30 teams, one year of service per team extra. It's an extra half a million in salary because the extra player is making the minimum. It's not like a team is going to sign a $20 million player to be the 26th guy. But that's not what the union's after. They're after the ever-elusive service time. So for Scott Boris to be asking for more roster size, more service time to get his players to free agency and arbitration, more of them faster, that would be disingenuous, wouldn't it, for him to want that? But the problem is I agree in this instance. The playoffs should have expanded rosters. I want to change rules like pitch clock, keeping batters in the batter's box to keep these games under four hours. But I also want fewer injuries. As an owner and a president, injuries are crushing to me because then I'm giving a player service time, money, and I'm not getting performance. And the way to get protection from injury is not to have these guys with their arms falling off when October comes along. It's not a sustainable model. So is it really possible to be aligned with Scott Boris? Yeah. I've said it to you from the beginning. It's just business. It's nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.